Hello and welcome everybody to Web and Beyond Live for December 13th, 2021. I can't believe it. It's almost the end of the year. I'm Ray Sidney Smith, president of W3 Consulting and managing director of W3C Web Services, which of course provides our affordable web and WordPress hosting, as well as domain name registration services, Microsoft 365 licensing, Google Workspace licensing, and other web-related services primarily for you, for small businesses. And so Web and Beyond Live, of course, is our weekly show about topical and timely small business digital marketing issues. And so I like to talk about all things kind of small business, all things digital marketing and productivity. And so I kind of do that all in this live show each week. Uh, so whether you're watching live or you're watching the replay or listening to the podcast after the fact, feel free to ask your questions, either throw those in the chat or tweet at me or, you know, add them in the comment section, uh, do whatever you'd like, and I will try and get back to you as best as I can. And of course, you can always tweet at me at W3, the number three, so at W3 Consulting on Twitter. Uh, so today's agenda is going to be uh, pretty simple. We've got quite a bit of Google news, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to cover a couple of articles that I came across in my journeys online. I know we've been gone a couple of weeks, and so we're going to come back for a couple of weeks, and then we'll be gone for the rest of the year, and then we'll be back right after the new year. But either way, I'm going to cover a couple of articles I thought would be interesting to you and for you, and then we're going to cover some Google news. There's quite a bit of Google news that I want to cover today. It just turned out that way. I'll talk a little bit about Amazon, a little bit about Walmart, eBay, uh, and then a little bit of tax and uh, and healthcare news, and then we will close out with Pantone's color of the year, very Perry, and my commentary on that. And so uh, let's get into uh, the news this week. So up my screen here, voila. Okay, so first and foremost, I, I wanted to bring this article to everyone's attention. This is an article from the Side Hustle Club on Medium, and it's called Want to See How to Scale Up a Business. And this is really about a YouTuber who launched her YouTube channel into a an Etsy shop and then beyond that has kind of broadened her horizons and so on and so forth. And so this author uh, wrote about this particular business owner's journey of scaling up their business from it being a side hustle to being the primary business. And it's a really good kind of uh, cataloging of the experience of this particular YouTuber turned business owner. And you can see that they have this really wonderful Etsy shop. Uh, the, the name of the business is Catnip Illustrations. And she does stationery and all kinds of other fun little things like this is a, a mouse pad <laughs> and her name is Catherine Kay and she has over 62,000 sales now. She's based in the UK and you can just kind of look at the story, check out the the experience of this particular person. My, my point in bringing it out is that YouTube can be a really great launch pad for a lot of businesses and they don't really think about it from that perspective. So I highly recommend that you one, check out the story, check out the the, the particular Etsy shop and all of the other things that she has created I mean, Patreon and, you know, she has Patreon uh, uh, subscribers, you know, she's doing a really good job of really building from someplace small and growing from there. So just worth kind of checking out from that perspective. Uh, next up, I wanted to talk a little bit about this article from Ellen Wang. Uh, she is a, a PhD in, I think, public policy, and she launched a fashion company called Amelia George. And she's really talking here about the fact that for many 
people, they come into this thinking that they have to spend quite a lot of money on their promotional activities. And again, people tend to say, quote unquote, marketing budget, and they don't understand that marketing encompasses not just promotional activities, but product development, pricing, where you're going to place your product, whether that be online or digital, and then of course, how you're going to promote yourself. And so people use marketing interchangeably, but remember that marketing encompasses that whole panoply of activities that a business needs to cover. And here, what she tries to distill in this article is that it's not just about how much money you bring to the table. There are many, many different channels and many different strategies for being able to grow a business and grow a brand without needing to put a lot of money into the promotional activities of the business. Much of it she is really explaining, uh, then becomes labor, right? Having uh, strategic contacts, having and making sure that you are putting money in the right places, the, the little bit of budget that you may have, you have to put that into the right places or whatever budget you have, you want to always allocate that strategically and well. Uh, but then of course, a bit of it is also luck and getting yourself involved in the right social channels to be able to be found. So I thought this was interesting. I, I don't think it was rather um, substantive in like giving specific tips, but it is a reminder to small business owners that this is not about how much dollars and cents you put into say digital ads, Google ads, or Facebook ads, or Instagram ads, or LinkedIn ads. It really has to do with how you strategically think through the overall promotional plan. How are you, how are you going to really market the business in a way that's going to be effective for you in your business at this moment in time. And a lot of people forget that. And so I just wanted to remind you of that because it's good to think about as we come closer to the end of 2022. All right, into our Google segment. Google is making a bunch of changes on a constant basis, but these are just a couple that I thought were really, really important. Not a couple, there are actually a few of them, but let's get through them. First and foremost, Google is going to be moving its local pack results, and they've already done this. You should see this across all of your Google business profiles now. In essence, when you do a search for a local business, the local businesses will now be appearing at the top of the page and the map will then start showing on the right. And so if you um, are watching the video, you'll see um, in the old perspective, you had kind of this long, uh, you know, a wide banner that was the map at the top of the page and then the businesses showed below it. Um, well, going, going forward now, I'm not quite sure why Chrome has decided not to give me, there we go. And so um, you can see here now in the new version, you'll see the type of business that you did a search for will show up at the top and then they will be listed there on the left-hand side of the screen. And then the map will be displayed on the right-hand side of the screen. And this is really for desktop display. And so just be mindful of how your business is displaying, utilizing your Google business profile, formerly known as Google My Business. And so you wanna just really give that a look and make sure that everything makes sense. Like for example, this particular business here doesn't have a profile image. And so there's just showing the map, which just basically duplicates what's on the right hand side for them. And it would be really nice if they had a nice image that portrayed what kinds of products do they have at this particular cafe and a little bit more details about that. So and you can see here that they have fewer stars than the others that have the you know, nice image of their products displayed. I don't know if that's, you know, causal or correlative, but it's certainly a good data point for you to kind of um, keep in mind. So that is happening. Um, in, in line with that, Google uh, 
Maps is also now with Google Business Profiles for hotels. This includes, you know, your B&Bs. If you run a B&B or if you have any kind of hotel-related business, you are now able to update with notices. And this was something that you were not able to do before, but your Google Business Profile can now create local posts. Uh, and as they note here, to provide relevant, timely information to customers. Examples can include COVID-19 protocols, updates to amenities or renovations, and events that take place on the property. But you cannot still create offer posts. And so many of the other service businesses that you'll note, you can create offer posts, quote unquote, that include uh, deals, promotions, special offers, or discounts. Hotels cannot do that. So if you're in that hotel category, you cannot do that, but you can now post updates, which is really great. It's a good addition. Uh, this is a really great article about managing user-generated content and how Google handles this. And so I just wanted to cover the six strategies for managing UGC that came out of this article. So in essence, Google published a guide to user-generated content, and they pretty much outlined all of the policies that are really important. And this is kind of the outcome that Search Engine Journal identified. So these six are really important. One is publish a content policy. So if you have people who are posting user-generated content to your website and you want that to be indexed by Google, you want to be able to make sure that you know that you have explained to your users what content is allowed on your website and what content is not allowed on your website. Two, you need to have some level of moderation. Now, it depends on how big of a community you have on your website, how much content is being published and that kind of thing. But if you have any number and any amount of content that is beyond what you can manage, it really helps to have community moderators. That is having people who you know and have gotten to trust uh, throughout the community to help you identify inappropriate content, content that does not abide by your own content policy. And that can be justifiably taken down. Three is that you need to routinely review your own user-generated content or UGC. You need to set aside time to make sure that you're looking at those pages and making sure those comments abide by the policies so that Google doesn't go ahead and ding you for taking them down. Remember that Google says that if you have UGC on your website, user-generated content on your website, and you want it indexed, then it must abide by all of the rules of Google in order to be found. And so if for some reason it doesn't, then you're going to go ahead and have a problem. Make sure that you have some kind of reporting capability. Uh, they recommend here having a report a violation link to allow users to be able to report problematic content. Many times if you're using WordPress or something like Discuss, uh, D-I-S-Q-U-S, that tool, or Jetpack or any other of those plugin tools, they will frequently have some kind of functionality for that for you to be able to, to basically flag something as inappropriate and therefore report it to you or the admin or moderator community of folks. Uh, you can automate some of this uh, moderation. So depending upon how you do it, like filtering out spam or those kinds of things, you can create some automation there for doing so. And I recommend that you actually do because it just, you know, if somebody puts in, uh, for example, if you, you try to comment on our own blog at W3 Consulting and you put in any number of uh, curse words or other spammy type of words, we just have an automated content filter that immediately blocks those kinds of things, gives me a notification, and then I can say, okay, this person, you know, uh, shouldn't be saying those words. And so, so therefore I could, you know, message them or let them know, hey, can you take out this word? Or I'll just change it myself. I'll just take out the, you know, if they put in the F word or, you know, something like that, I'll, I'll just, you know, put in the little asterisks and then post it on their behalf and we're good to go. Uh, but if it's something a little bit more, you know, 
untoward, then I'm going to just delete that post and go on or that comment and go on. So it just gives you an ability to do some moderation on a very faster pace without it being published and then you having to retract it from the page. And then that last but not least, they talk about using CAPTCHA. I highly recommend using reCAPTCHA, which is Google's uh, latest version of CAPTCHA. And that allows you to basically uh, block a lot of uh, non-human beings from posting to your content and therefore muddying up the works. And so uh, it does take a little bit of work to get reCAPTCHA on your site if you don't know how to do that, but uh, let me know and we can help you uh, lead you in the right direction for that. But this is just a really good point about the fact that, you know, Section 230 under federal law gives us currently the ability to have a website where people can comment and we are not necessarily um, going to be litigated against in that case, but, um, just because you're not being litigated against doesn't mean that Google's policies, which is not the, the federal law's policy, this is Google's policies about indexing you or de-indexing you. Uh, you need to make sure that you're paying uh, attention to those things. And it's not just Google, right? It's Bing and the other search engines as well. In that vein of being delisted, Google has now made it affirmative that Google's search will uh, start de-indexing web pages if your site is down for more than a few days. It says more than a couple of days. So if your site goes down for a day, that's understandable. But two days or more, and Google is going to uh, potentially de-index those pages from the web because people are going to those websites from Google search and not finding what they wanted to find. That is a uh, less than stellar experience for those users. And Google obviously wants to put people into contact with content with content that's going to be useful to them. And a page that doesn't exist is not useful to them. So <laughs> they are going to start, <clears throat> excuse me, going to start de-indexing those pages if you've been down for, uh, it sounds like, more than two days. Uh, so just keep that in mind as you are uh, you know, choosing hosting plans, uh, choosing failover plans. And we're going to talk a little bit about that regarding uh, Amazon very shortly. But you have to really start thinking through um, how you are dealing um, with those pieces. Okay, um, next up is Google recently uh, put out version 85 of Chrome. And I'm, I'm just checking right now to make sure that we're talking about uh, the right version here. So if you go to your uh, Chrome settings, um, yeah, this is, I'm not sure which and when this was. This is December 10th. Uh, oh, oh, I get it. I get it. So um, Google basically is working on putting out new um, materials. And I think they may, maybe this is a incorrect number here, because if we look at the current version of Chrome, it says I'm on version 96 on this computer, which um, is correct and most up to date. Either way, in the latest versions of Google Chrome, you will not now start to see, hopefully, a market increase in the speed of Google Chrome again. Uh, this is because of some fancy technology they call occlusion, and they are starting to go ahead and uh, not process things that are being blocked, windows or partial uh, tabs that are basically in the background uh, that, are, that are not windows being seen. And so they can just basically release all of that you know, memory and CPU to the user so that they're, you're not getting that kind of problem uh, when you're browsing of, of Chrome choking up. And so Google has been working a long time on this. As some of you know, I'm one of the Google Chrome product experts. So I'm a volunteer in the Google community help forums, helping folks with Google Chrome issues. And so this is really great to see Google making those uh, movements toward making Google Chrome more nimble because obviously, you know, it's an older and the most dominant 
browser. And so uh, people try to put a lot of stuff into Google Chrome in terms of extensions and other things, and it gets a little bloated and therefore slows down. So if you ever have any issues with Google Chrome, I suggest looking at those extensions and removing some of them. And Google Chrome will probably speed up for you uh, just as, as well as Google Chrome is doing all the work on the front end to make it faster in these uh, native default ways. Okay, next up is some uh, workspace stuff. If you are in Google Workspace or have a personal Google account, which is, is for me, you know, it's still uh, fresh in my mind uh, of trying to remember that Google Workspace now has personal accounts and uh, business accounts. So Google Workspace personal and Google Workspace for business, uh, no matter which workspace plans you're on, as well as, as education and enterprise, um, you will now start to see this is going to be crazy. So you're going to start to see file shortcuts. So Google Drive shortcuts are basically not the files themselves, but they are basically pointers to other files. Google Drive is going to start uh, converting, basically deduplicating your Google Drive for you and putting shortcuts in place of those duplicate files. They're not deleting the, the real file, right? So there's going to be a file that is the real true file. But if they find a duplicate around your other Google Drive space, they're going to automatically optimize the storage for you by basically putting a Google file shortcut, a Google Drive shortcut that is, uh, into the place where the file duplicate was. This means that if you see a file and it has that little tiny arrow on it, that is a Google Drive shortcut. It is not the actual file itself. Now, it doesn't really mean much for you other than the fact that if it's there and you click on it, it'll open up the file. It's going to navigate to the actual file and it'll open it and you should be fine to go. Just remember that wherever you have that originating file, the original file that you have potentially shared with others or, or, or are manipulating, uh, that folder you need to control. Right, because if you don't control it, then you lose uh, control potentially over that original file. So just be mindful. They're doing this automatically. You don't have to do anything. You will see a display at the top of Google Drive that is going to be notifying you of this. And so that original file and the original location is going to be the same. That includes ownership and sharing permissions. Just make sure that you know what you're doing when you are clicking on that little uh, file icon with the arrow on it. That is not the file itself. That is a shortcut. And I highly recommend that you use shortcuts uh, generally throughout the system because Google Drive is going to start looking at duplications and um, auto-correcting for that anyway. Okay. Up is uh, this is a bit of um, a bit banal, but uh, I think it's important for us all to know that if you have ever utilized any of Google's Project Area 120 projects themselves, uh, those are all going to be now streamlined under a new brand called Google Labs. So you've probably heard me talk about some of those Google Labs before, including Google, uh, the, the tables program, uh, Stack, which is their, their scanning technology, newsletter we talked about a few weeks ago. They've been put out a number of different interesting things, uh, but Google has now bundled together all of those experimental projects, including the augmented reality and virtual reality efforts under Google Labs. So I just want you to be aware that if I talk about Google Labs uh, in the future, Google Labs is really all about their AR and VR efforts uh, that was once under Area 120. So, uh, and, and I guess everything from Area 120 tables and, you know, all of those games for the kids and whatever are all moving under Google Labs now as well as a new brand. Okay. 
I know we talked about the idea of Google de-indexing pages and them being delisted because they were down. And this is where this PSA comes from. So Amazon uh, was caught by an, um, an outage uh, with, with regard to AWS, which is Amazon Web Services. So many websites, you name the websites, right? Netflix, Amazon Prime Video, Roku, uh, Amazon's Ring products, but you know, many, many, many other websites are hosted on AWS. They had this big outage on uh, past Tuesday, and uh, it lasted, I think, 12 hours. And so various products that were IoT related, you know, went down. Uh, you know, the unfortunate part were internal Amazon delivery apps went down, their status page went down, uh, because it also ran on AWS. And this was in their East, um, I think it was EC1 uh, region, which is their East East Coast region, which is one of their, you know, oldest uh, uh, regional centers. And so that outage, uh, it doesn't really matter what it, why it happened. Uh, the most important thing is that you recognize as a small business owner, if you host on AWS or any other Google Cloud, Microsoft Azure, you name the big ticket platforms, you should have some understanding of the fact that these things will happen. Uh, they will usually be short lived. But having all of your infrastructure in one bucket is probably not the best idea. Right. And I just I like the idea of having my services distributed among different services for this very reason. That is, we don't actually host anything on AWS uh, that's forward facing that's that, that I'm, I'm concerned about client seeing. Uh, but if for some reason it went down on Tuesday on us, there would be other systems in which we would be able to communicate to customers because we have failovers, we have the ability to work in different systems. And so our mail service is not uh, run on the same service as say, say that we're predominantly Google Cloud, right? So we, we love being in Google Cloud, uh, as you can imagine. And so uh, I don't put everything in Google Cloud, because I don't want to make I want to make sure that uh, should Google Cloud go down for some period of time, we're, we're still capable of communicating with clients. So we make sure that we spread them out amongst those different services, so that we do have some level of failover, some business continuity planning needs to be put in place. So that you make sure that happens. But this is a good reminder of that fact that, you know, our, our phone systems are on Google, you know, we have a lot of stuff sitting in the Google Cloud space. But if it were to go down, we want to make sure that we have backups so that we can go ahead and continue to communicate with clients and not lose business because of that. So just keep that in mind. As you start thinking about the new year, and what you might be doing to make sure that you don't get caught up in this kind of thing where I mean, AWS's own status page, the page that tells you that they're down was down because of AWS, right? You know, just that level of lack of redundancy, um, even in this really big company, uh, just goes to show that just a little bit of foresight goes a long way. Okay, um, this is very interesting. So Walmart partnered with, uh, with Zipline to launch its first commercial uh, drone deliveries. And so it's starting in Arizona, uh, Arkansas right now. And uh, so this means that deliveries will now ship product, uh, you know, via air and <laughs> being dropped off at people's homes. And this is going to start in the health and wellness uh, product space to begin with. And I just I'm putting it on your radar because if you're utilizing any of Walmart's new delivery services, you know, they have this white label uh, delivery service that allows from, you know, store to door, maybe they're going to start thinking about bringing these components to it and start thinking about how your product packaging is designed, start thinking about what it looks like for 
people when they are carrying these products. I just like start to, you know, if you have any interest in having uh, local delivery, remember that these local deliveries, if they're going to be droned in, right, dropped off by air, uh, hopefully not coffee, <laughs> but but other products, right? If you have um, consumer packaged goods or other kinds of uh, pastry goods or those kinds of things that are going to be delivered, uh, they're solids. You need to still make sure that the packaging looks good for people when they're getting these deliveries and that they're potentially uh, more durable now uh, because they will uh, potentially drop from the air. And so, you know, obviously these things are going to be designed to deliver hopefully close to the ground and not to damage goods, but you should probably have um, some thought there about how deliveries are going to start to be made uh, once this goes live. Google is testing this material. Amazon is uh, testing these types of services out this is going to become a thing. And so as more and more drones, as well as land-based delivery, automated land-based delivery products come on the market, uh, these services are going to start delivering your goods to your consumers. And you need to make sure that you're preparing for that. So start thinking, what's my project product look like? What does it feel like when it is inside of a land-based delivery uh, robot versus a drone by air, which may be, you know, helicopter landing, but it also may be flyby dropped with a parachute. I don't know, you know, but start giving that some creative thought to make sure that it works in all of those applicable areas. Next is, I think, just uh, moving right toward and continued forward in the um, long march toward um, the AR and VR world. In essence, eBay has now provided sellers with an ability to scan shoes. This is shoe specific right now, but you can only imagine this is going to go uh, beyond that. So this is a new 3D replica scanning technology of shoes so that people can now uh, look at tool uh, uh, products in three dimensions. So they can now start to navigate products on eBay in three dimensions. And as we talked about before, this is just continuing forward. You're going to see this technology make its way into Pinterest. There's, I have just no question about it that Pinterest is going to start doing this stuff. Snapchat is going to start doing this stuff. Uh, I bet you that Instagram and Facebook are probably very, very close behind that as well, especially as they think about the metaverse. Um, as Meta starts building out more products for Facebook and Instagram to build the metaverse, the the value of being able to see things in three dimensions, but scanning them in three dimensions in this case, and then being able to view them just in 2D is helpful just as much as it going, it's going to be for people to be able to put on an augmented reality uh, headset or look at it in augmented reality on their phones in physical space, and then also then watching it and viewing it in VR. Uh, I, I hate to say like, you know, the future is now, but the future is really, really close. And so if you do have consumer goods, if you do have products that you want to be able to showcase and sell more of, you need to start thinking about how you're going to be utilizing this technology in your e-commerce and certainly just uh, presenting it on your website, even if it's not e-commerce, so that people can look at it before they come in to buy, right? Those robo-buyers, research online, buy offline buyers. They want to be able to see it before they buy it, and they want to do that research and then come down to your local shop and buy. These are the kinds of technologies that really help engage people in that process before they get to you.
All right, just a quick note, um, the IRS put out this uh, this bulletin about small business advertising and marketing costs that may be tax deductible. They give you some really great guidelines for being able to do that. And so this is just a PSA. Uh, so check out IRS tax tip 2021-159. Uh, this was published at the end of October. And I think it's just really salient as you start to prepare for your tax preparation for the TY 2021 to look at the various deductible expenses that might be allowed for your business, talk to your tax advisor, talk to your accountant, that kind of thing, and make sure that you have all of your advertising and marketing costs uh, deductible that are allowed to be deducted. And so check this out, talk to whom you need to make sure you're getting all of the appropriate deductions uh, that you are due. And last but not least in the more mundane news um, is just my uh, imploring everybody uh, this, uh, you know, we're, we're still in the midst and amongst the uh, unfortunate pandemic. And uh, it's not uh, abating in any way, shape or form for the next few months. So I would highly recommend that if you are in a freelance nature or self-employed and don't have health insurance, the 2022 health exchange is currently open. So if you go to healthcare.gov, you can just fill out the forms and you can have your health insurance start on January 1 if you enroll by December 15th of 2021. So this is January coverage that starts on January 1st, 2022 um, by by enrolling by December 15th, 2021. So just kind of putting that out there for those of you who are in the States and don't have health insurance, you don't want to really get caught uh, with, you know, uh, COVID or you know, COVID-19 or anything like that uh, nowadays and not have health insurance to cover you in those cases. All right, that brings us to our story of the week, uh, which is that Pantone 17-3938, very Perry, is the Pantone color of the year. And so Pantone, which is the color company, uh, they are very well known in the design world. Every year puts out a color of the year and the color of the year for 2022 is very Perry. And so they put out this um, very lovely uh, uh, video um, that talks about all of this. They note here in their own blog post on the topic, it says displaying a carefree confidence and a daring curiosity that animates our creative spirit, inquisitive and intriguing Pantone 17-3938. Very Perry helps us to embrace this altered landscape of possibilities, opening us up to a new vision as we rewrite our lives. Uh, so <laughs> uh, they go on, um, and I'm not going to uh, belabor the subject, but this is, you know, very cute, you know, pretty, um, you know, periwinkle, right? It's just a periwinkle color, uh, but it's uh, supposed to represent kind of the shifting things, right? Red and blue makes purple. It helps to understand that we're kind of in uh, a period of change and overlap. You know, we have all of those kinds of things. So I, I thought it was a, a, a very uh, cool choice. We have already seen periwinkle come out in many different electronic uh, you know, goods. Uh, so we saw that in uh, Samsung putting out some some purple products uh, this year and so on and so forth. So it seems to be a really good um, uh, popular color right now. And so if you want to kind of stay up with the trends, obviously, Very Perry is the color of uh, 2022. And you can think about how you might want to involve and invest in your own product with regard to dis displaying uh, the periwinkle hue that they have uh that they've come up with so i've got some articles in here if you want to check them out uh in the show notes uh but otherwise uh that's all i really wanted to say about very perry this year and um i hope that you all um are 
going to have a wonderful rest of December. Just a couple of announcements. Uh, one is that I had stopped the small business virtual roundtables uh, mid-year uh, just because of time and everything else like that was was a little bit um, uh, short for me uh, with some work projects. But now we are bringing them back. We are restarting them in January. So if you have never joined us for a small business virtual roundtable, I highly recommend it. We host them on the first Tuesdays of the month. Uh, it's just it's a roundtable discussion. We, there's It's topical. So we pick a topic. And we'll let you know what that topic is ahead of the time. And then uh, you join us and we discuss it we're kind of in a in a roundtable environment where we can discuss topics that are, uh, you know, timely to you, hopefully topically appropriate to you, pertinent to you. And then you can discuss, share your knowledge about it. Others can share theirs. And I'm always happy to share my two cents on the topic as well. Uh, those are restarting in January, like I said, and our first one will be Tuesday, January 4th at noon. That will be published inside of Web and Beyond Community. So if you are not a member of Web and Beyond Community, uh, come on over and join us. Just go ahead to www.webandbeyond.community and you can just fill out the form. I'll approve you right into the system and then you can join us. Um, also inside of Web and Beyond Community and elsewhere, we will be posting about our uh, renewed uh publishing of Web and Beyond webinars. So these are twice monthly webinars on different topics around digital marketing and productivity for small business. You can find out about them always if you go to w3cinc.com forward slash events, but we post them on social and elsewhere. So you'll, you'll see it come out when we do. We have our final Web and Beyond webinar on uh, of 2021, which will be our annual digital marketing trends for 2022. So our digital marketing trends for the new year. That will be play taking place on December 23rd, 2021, and we'll have that posted in the next day or so for everybody to be able to uh, register for. Uh, then on January 20th, 2022, we'll have our first Web and Beyond webinar of 2022. So uh, that'll be announced in Web and Beyond community and on social channels soon as well. And so again, if you are not inside of Web and Beyond community, feel free to join us there. Uh, we will have our next episode uh, next week, and that'll be our final episode of 2022. And that will be our social media updates for December 2021. Uh, but otherwise, I thank you all for joining me here uh, this and every week. We've come to the end of our time together. If you've enjoyed the live stream, feel free to click the thumbs up icon that helps us make new small business friends. And so thank you for doing that. If you have a question, again, leave a comment, go ahead and tweet or message me at W3 Consulting on Twitter. You can join us here, of course, on Mondays at 11 a.m. Eastern live and join in the conversation. Uh, Thanks for spending this Web and Beyond Live with me. I'm Ray Sidney Smith on behalf of W3 Consulting and our subsidiary W3C Web Services. Have a great week ahead marketing your small business on the web and beyond. <laughs>